everyone, it's Jeannie, the Pistol Packing Mountain Mama Health Nut. Welcome back to Throw Out the Trash. I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode, I want to talk about coffee. It's one of the most popular drinks in the world, hot or iced, however you like to drink it. But is it healthy for you? Does it have any side effects? So I'll dive into that. And keep listening as I share a true story about walking in a heavy snowstorm in the middle of the night on our ranch in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. But first, I need to briefly mention a sponsor for my podcast, 3 International. It's what makes it possible for me to keep the episodes coming, but I'll make it short. The 3 company formulates high-quality nutritional supplements from high-quality, third-party tested ingredients. Now, most of the ingredients are grown in Taiwan where the soil is pure and the plants are free of pesticides. One product I love is called the Talate, and it's made from Whole Foods, the plants from Taiwan. So if you're struggling with your gut health, poor sleep, or even losing weight, then please take a minute and check out the products on my website, genieolson.iii.earth, and see the show notes to see how you can get the wholesale prices, because you deserve to have good health. Okay, what about coffee? It might surprise you that coffee is prescribed by some doctors for depression. There are some really good things about coffee. It can be healthy for you, so don't throw it out of your diet just yet. Coffee is a household staple in many homes, and it brings family and friends together. Today, there are many coffee houses and even drive through coffee businesses like Dutch Brothers or Starbucks, but this wasn't always the case. So I thought to start out, I'd give you a little bit of history about coffee. Uh, it dates back to centuries of old traditions in Ethiopia and Yemen, and there's a debate as to exactly who discovered it. Each country has its own myths, legends, and facts about the origin of coffee. Ethiopia's legend is a fun and popular one. And this story was in an article by the spruceeats.com, and it's titled The Origins of Coffee, and it says that one day in a highland area near an Abyssinian monastery, there was a goat herder from Kaffa, and I think I'm saying these names right, but forgive me if I'm not. And his name was Kaldi, and he was herding his goats. And the goats began to jump around, almost dancing and bleeding loudly, which was a strange behavior for his herd. Kaldi found that a small shrub or a cluster of shrubs was the source of the excitement. Deciding to try the bright red berries for himself, Kaldi also felt the coffee cherry's energizing effects. So amazed at this discovery, the goat herder filled his pockets and then rushed home to tell his wife, calling the find heaven sent. She advised Kaldi to share the berries with the monks. Now, Kaldi did not receive the warmest of welcome from the monks, and they referred to the berries as the devil's work and threw them into the fire. So according to legend, the aroma that wafted from the fire caught the monks' attention. So they removed the berries from the fire, and while trying to put out the embers, they crushed the beans. They then attempted to preserve them in a container of hot water. Thus, a cup of coffee was born. But not to be biased, I'll tell the Yemen's version of how coffee was discovered. And I'm taking this from the same article. So there was a doctor priest from Yemen, and his name was Sheikh Omar. And I'm hoping I'm saying that name right, too, but... Anyway, he was exiled to a desert cave for practicing medicine 
on the princess instead of his master, the king, who was on his deathbed. Legend has it that after curing her, he decided to keep her, and Omar was exiled by the king as punishment. So after being in this cave for a long time, he was near starvation, and he found the coffee berries. But he found them to be bitter, and so he threw them into the fire. Then they hardened, and then he had to boil them to soften them, and thus came the sweet aroma of coffee. Later, Omar's exile was lifted, and he shared his coffee beans with others, and it was hailed as a miracle drug because it had cured many ailments, and then Omar was deemed a saint. Then many years later, coffee finally arrived in Italy in the 16th century through Mediterranean trade routes and slowly spread throughout the world, making it to Brazil in 1852, making them the largest producer of coffee to this day. And in 1950, the plain field widened to Colombia, the Ivory Coast, Ethiopia, and then Vietnam. Due to modern production techniques today, coffee is an item in almost every home. So how is coffee made? Do they throw it in the fire? Well, not exactly, but it is quite an art for planting the coffee seedlings to making it to your cup. I'll just tell you briefly so we can get on to whether coffee is good or bad for you, because the process of making it determines how good it is and how good it is for you. So here it goes. And this comes from an article in 11coffees.com, and it's titled, Coffee Production 101, How is Coffee Produced and Processed? So coffee seeds are planted in what is known as the coffee belt, which is located between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, spanning some 3,200 miles. Once it matures, it's known as a coffee cherry because it resembles cherries. It is initially green, then it turns red, yellow, or orange when it's mature. The first harvest of a plant is usually about five years after planting, and that's a long time to nurture and care for the plant. But after that, then there's two harvests per year. There are different ways to harvest. There's hand-picking, stripping, or machines. Hand-picking is considered the best coffee because only the right berries are picked. Stripping or grabbing a bunch of berries and then stripping them off, and the machines doing the same thing, tends to gather green berries as well as ripe ones, and this is what causes a bitter taste. The cherries are then processed, and sometimes during the processing time, substandard cherries are passed through, making a lower-quality coffee. Unlike other fruits where the fleshy part is consumed, the outer layer is discarded and then the inner pit is used, and in this pit is two seeds, which after processing, they are referred to as green coffee beans. When they are processed, they are dried, milled, and grated, and then sorted, exported, and then the green coffee beans undergo quality testing. After this, the beans are roasted and undergo grinding so you can brew it. So as you can see, there are a lot of steps that the coffee cherry has to undergo before it ends up in your cup. And during this process, quality can be overlooked, and sometimes impurities are passed on into the end product. So that alone is a concern. But besides impurities, is there anything that's harmful about coffee? In an article by Health Research Finding about the pros and cons of coffee, it states that, like I just mentioned, that not all coffee is created equal. Second, they say it can lead to osteoporosis. And why is that? Well, they say when you drink coffee, you actually excrete calcium in your urine, 
which if you drink a lot of it can lead to brittle bones. But don't lose heart because they say the cure is to just add a little milk. And some say it can lead to wrinkles. So why do they say that? Because over time, consumption can lead to dehydration, which actually dehydrates your skin. They say another downside to drinking coffee is that it can cause you to gain weight. The most logical answer to that is because of the extra added ingredients to the coffee, like sugar and cream, which spikes your blood sugar levels, which is proven to cause weight gain. In another article by VeryWellHealth.com titled, Is Coffee Bad For You?, the main health risk is associated with the amount of caffeine in coffee. Consuming too much can leave you feeling jittery or anxious or can even cause an upset stomach. Caffeine also can keep you up for hours after the last cup, and you won't get a restful night of sleep. And an interesting note that this article talked about is pregnant women who overconsume caffeine because it may cause low birth weights, premature birth, or even pregnancy loss. Okay, what else is there? Well, there's hypertension in older people. That's a concern, as well as an irregular heart rhythm. And if you have gastrointestinal conditions like gastritis or IBS, your condition could worsen. And lastly, caffeine can also interact with some medications. And then one last note from my own experience, like there needs to be any more side effects, right, is two things. One, it tends to relax my bladder muscles, so I have to go a lot. And second, I believe you can become addicted to the caffeine and build up an intolerance you know, where you just need more and more. Just try quitting and see if you experience a headache for days after. Now, why would you have a headache? Because it functions as a central nervous system stimulant, which means it affects neural activity in the brain, which increases alertness while reducing fatigue. Now, I don't think one cup a day is going to cause dependency, but let's say you drink five or six cups a day and then you quit drinking it. You could experience a headache like I mentioned. Now, what would cause a headache after coming off of caffeine? Well, caffeine causes blood vessels in the brain to constrict, which slows blood flow. When you take the caffeine away, the blood vessels open up and you get more blood flow to the brain and then you get the headache. And then there are other symptoms you can experience, and that is fatigue, anxiety, difficulty concentrating, a depressed mood, irritability, tremors, and low energy. Now, of course, they'll go away after several days, but it doesn't sound very fun. It all sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? But fear not. Before you send me any hate mail, coffee, and yes, even caffeine, actually has some health benefits. Going back to the article in Health Research Funding, it stated that consuming coffee can reduce your risk of getting diabetes. But you need to drink four to six cups a day. Now, in my opinion, then you're just going back to the side effects that I mentioned earlier. But there is still good news. Coffee can combat free radicals because it contains over 1,000 phytochemicals. That's 1,000, some of which are antioxidants. It is well known that antioxidants help to prevent certain diseases while also protecting your cells. In fact, there are a panel of doctors from the FLCCC Alliance that prescribe coffee, and they're saying one to two cups a day, with or without caffeine, and they're prescribing that as part of their protocol for preventing COVID-19, influenza, and RSV. So that's a win-win. 
and uh, it's because of all the antioxidants and the phytochemicals that are in the coffee. And then one last thing, coffee can also improve your memory and concentration. But wait, there's more. Like I mentioned, coffee is rich in nutrients. So in just one cup, you're going to get some vitamin B2, B5, B1, B3, folate. All of these B vitamins give you energy. And then there's also manganese, potassium, magnesium, and phosphorus. And to further help you out, in an article by Healthline, it was titled, Coffee, Good or Bad? It states that caffeine can actually be good. And why is that? Caffeine, a known stimulant, blocks the function of a brain hormone called adenosine. By blocking this hormone, brain activity increases and releases norepinephrine and dopamine, which reduces tiredness and makes you feel more alert. And then one last thing, it can actually speed up your metabolism, provided that you're not adding the extra sugar or the extra cream. So here's the bottom line, and of course this is just my opinion, because yes, coffee has some side effects, but most of which come from overconsumption like five to seven cups a day. But in moderation, as I always say, has plenty of health benefits. And the quality of the coffee matters as well. And for this, you'll have to do some research. Find out where the coffee comes from and how it's harvested. Handpicked is best, and then look for how it's processed. The whole production side of making the coffee if you want. And you can buy higher quality coffees online. And then, of course, your taste preference is important, too. Well, I hope you found this All Things Health segment helpful and insightful. Please share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. And please hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode and leave a review because I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like a list of my resources, be sure to email me. But before I start my story... I'd like to mention another way that helps me publish my podcast, and that is through my photography. Over the years, I've taken beautiful pictures on our ranch and surrounding areas, and I'd love to share them with you. So please consider visiting my website, genieolson.smugmug.com, and I'll have this in the show notes. And besides funding my podcast, part of the proceeds go to the Nest Pregnancy Care Center. It's a nonprofit volunteer center that helps women with unplanned pregnancies who want to have the baby but can't afford it. So it's a pretty cool thing. And you can learn more about this on the website on the About Me page. Okay, and now, on to Mountain Adventures. Oh, I remember that winter well. We had more snow than usual for December. And being a holiday season, it didn't disappoint. We would be having a white Christmas after all. It was several days before Christmas Eve. By this time of year, the cattle had been rounded up and they were in their winter feeding grounds getting fed hay and given plenty of straw to lay on to keep warm. Now some ranchers don't bother with the straw, but the straw is light and airy and warm. Any snow or moisture that gets on it soaks to the bottom, and the straw stays dry on top, so the cows will stay nice and warm. My husband Nick feeds and beds them near a tree line of Douglas fir trees and ample Sarvis berry trees. This provided a pretty good windbreak, and with the added straw, they stayed warm. 
That cold, chilly evening, a winter storm warning flashed across the TV screen. Over a foot of snow was predicted in the next 12 hours. It was advised to stay off all highways and just stay home if at all possible. It was past dark when Nick opened the back door and huge, white, fluffy snowflakes were falling. He worried about whether the cows had enough straw to bed down on for the night. He really didn't want to get all bundled up in his heavy coat and overalls again. But being a rancher, he always worries about his herd. So the decision was made. He would take the orange loader and give the cow some more straw. Now the loader had good lights on it so he could see fairly good, but it didn't have a cab. He would have to dress warm. The cows are about half a mile from the house and getting to them in a heavy snowstorm would be a challenge. The road leading to the cows involves a steep dugway. In the summer, it's a two-track dirt road that winds up through dense aspen trees, Douglas fir trees, and sarvisberry trees. But now in the winter, Nick had made this two-track road into an ice road. In the winter, we get sometimes around 9 to 12 feet of snow that falls for the entire season. It usually settles down to about 5 feet. But nonetheless, it is impossible to keep the road open. So he makes an ice road. Each time, which is every day, no matter what, he drives on the same road with his loader and tire chains. And by doing this, he packs the snow down so it's hard, almost ice. Going up and down this steep dugway in a blizzard or snowstorm isn't bad. He has the trees to guide him. It's when he leaves the safety of the trees and ventures out across an open field when it can be dangerous and, I'll say it, scary. If he gets off of the ice road, even a foot off, he sinks in the snow. Once the loader gets stuck, there is no way to feed the cows and no way to ask a neighbor to come help with his tractor. So staying on this road is imperative. Well, Nick ventured out into the storm around 9 o'clock that evening. He told me he would only be about an hour or so. I watched out the window as his tractor slowly made its way to the ice road. And that's when I noticed it. His cell phone, sitting on the table. He had set it there when he was putting on his coat and forgot to pick it up. It's important to have that with him in case he gets into trouble or needs help. But I wasn't too worried. He's driven on the ice road many times. So two hours roll by and I thought to myself, he's just giving them extra straw, he'll be home soon. So I headed to bed. I tried to sleep, but I knew it was useless. I always worry when he's out working, especially after dark. I did manage to doze off for a while. A little bit later, I woke up with a start. I glanced at the clock on the bedside table, thinking it had only been about 30 minutes or so, and it had been two hours. I reached over on Nick's side of the bed, and it was empty. I jumped out of bed, grabbed the spotlight, and flashed it out the living room window, hoping to see him or the loader, but I saw nothing, just snow falling in the quiet of the night. No, I knew something wasn't right, so I had to make a decision. I needed to go find him. It would be impossible to take the truck up the steep dugway on the ice road. The four-wheeler would work, but Nick had left it up by the cows, so it wasn't available. It was becoming pretty clear to me I would be walking alone, in the dark, in the middle of a heavy snowstorm, for a half a mile, by myself. I really didn't want to go alone. Our son Jason, who was 16 at the time, was sleeping soundly in his bed. I hated to wake him. 
I could call our son Ryan, but he lives 20 miles away, and I didn't want to bother him. So I slipped quietly into Jason's room. I didn't want to wake his sister Katie, who was sleeping in the room next door. I gently nudged him awake and told him Nick hadn't come home yet, and it had been over four hours. I waited for the growl to come, but true to Jason's nature, he crawled out of bed and said, Okay, Mom, let's go. So we bundled up in our snow clothes, hats, and gloves. We grabbed a gun and flashlights. Why the gun? We live in the mountains, and even though it was snowing, mountain lions or wolves will be out hunting for a snowshoe rabbit or anything that would make a nice dinner. We headed out into the night. It was so dark out and quiet. Not a sound could be heard, just complete silence. No yard lights and no close neighbors with their house lights on to bring us any comfort. Just the trees and snow falling heavy and steady. We could only see about 20 feet ahead of us. We knew we were on the ice road. We could still see the tracks from Nick's loader. They were quickly filling in, but still helped us navigate. It was slow going for us. We didn't say much to each other as we walked along. We were both checking the trees around us for any signs of animals or eyes. Once we had made it up the dugway, we headed across the field. It was still a bit of a climb up to the cows. We stopped several times to see if we could hear Nick's loader. Nothing. Silence. We kept walking. The snow was really starting to dump now and the wind was starting to pick up. We finally crested the hill and seen the most beautiful sight. There was Nick's loader. One of the lights was beaming up into the sky, illuminating the huge snowstorm. It looked like a meteor shower, snow falling hard, but sparkling as it came down against the night sky. So beautiful, so quiet. We just stood there in awe. We came back to reality and soon realized that the loader was running, but it wasn't moving. We kept walking towards it, but it still wasn't moving. Then our hearts started to race. Where was Nick? The thought crossed my mind, however daunting. Did he get hurt? Was he under the loader? Where was he? The cows were circling around, a bit nervous, I thought. We were getting closer to the loader, and I'll be honest, I was expecting the worst. When the cow suddenly stepped away from the loader, and Nick climbed on. He was fine. We finally made it to him, and he apologized for making us venture out into that storm. He had decided to make a windbreak by stacking the bales of straw next to the tree line so the cows could hunker down behind them and have an even better windbreak. He was off of the loader moving the cows out of the way when Jason and I were walking up to the loader. It was taking a lot longer than he had thought, and he didn't realize how late it was. He was grateful that we had made the trek in the cold, dark night to check on him. But you know, that's what we do here in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. We look out for each other. We are a team. Always have been. And truth be told, he would have done the same thing for us. That's just what we do at the Enbaro Ranch. Remember this. When you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. And remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Merry Christmas, everyone. See you next time.